by no one's demand, but our own. And from our home office here in sunny, thank God, cool September. I don't know how that works in, but it's still Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. And from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios, it is the 615 Sessions podcast. It's game day for the University of Tennessee. And we're proud, as always, to be presented to you by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. So, uh, we will not be talking about the Vols today, even though it is game day as you're hearing this podcast. That will be next Tuesday's conversation after the first game against Bowling Green has been played. Instead, today, we thought that we would get together with Teresa Walker of the Associated Press and John Burton of News Channel 5 and talk about these roster cuts, particularly Des Fitzpatrick, after John Robinson and Mike Vrabel spoke to the media on Wednesday. So that will be today's conversation, and I'm look forward. I'm looking forward to having it with you. I'm also looking forward to telling you about Two Rivers Ford. They've announced the all-new Built For You program. Now you can order any Ford, any color, with any available features and accessories from Two Rivers Ford and have your vehicle delivered right to your door. It's just another way that Two Rivers Ford makes buying a vehicle easy. So if it's not on the lot, it's not a problem. Two Rivers Ford will order the exact Ford you want built just for you. So ask about the all-new Built For You program at Two Rivers Ford today. Two Rivers Ford. Love where you buy your Ford. Let's talk to T and JB. Six one five sessions podcast, a little late arriving edition, but we figured there wasn't really much of a point to doing a podcast until after the roster cuts were made. We got John Burton of News Channel Five and the Hall of Famer herself, and she will be quick to remind you, Teresa Walker of the Associated Press. Hello, friends. What's going on, Buck? How are you, buddy? Buck, I'm just going to say, I've been told I should sign my my autograph from now on, even if I'm doing like a check with HOF, you know, or HOF or so it's like, you know, I, I just have to point out that, you know, <laughs> there's a few other things over there as well. It's just, you know. Teresa, we can all see this. This is primarily an audio visual, so your your <laughs> accolades are completely lost on the podcast. Audio. Yeah, but I'm just trying to remind you that uh, when I say something, you should listen. Now, <laughs> Teresa, I always listen, except when you come on here and call me fat, and then I try to plug my ears and keep the podcast moving. Well, I, I understand that. If somebody calls me fat, well, first I punch them, uh, but... <laughs> Nobody said that to my face, so I, I haven't had, I haven't been challenged like that. But I, I understand that was a, a painful moment. The pandemic's been tough on all of us. I'm, I'm still trying to lose my pandemic. Fifteen. In the mean, in the meantime, Burton looks like a prisoner of war with this one sad plant behind him. The rest of us have like a backdrop, and this is this is what John brings to the table. I'm expecting him to hold up a newspaper with a date at any moment to, you know, to prove the uh, proof of life. Proof of life. Yeah, I am. I am alive and I am well, you know, all things considered. So great oh. to be on today with you guys. Excellent. Indeed, and Buck, real quick, Buck, real quick. I just want to congratulate you on the uh, on the radio show on 104.5 The Zone. Doing a great job. Um, you know, we kind of sort of compete against each other with the stations here in town, but. You know, I think you do a hell of a job. I listen whenever I can. You're doing an awesome job, man. Kudos to you. See, he's he's a gracious guest, Teresa. What the <laughs> hell? You you come on here, you just try to flex on all of us. Thank you, JB. That's very kind. I appreciate well. that. Unbelievable. 
Listen, Buck, your ego is a very similar to mine that if people say too many nice things about you, you we're not going to be able to get you through it unless we have a garage door. So it's okay. <laughs> well, that, it's either that or the pandemic weight that's keeping me through the garage door, Teresa. But nonetheless, we're here to talk about trimming the fat, not actual fat itself, because it was roster cut down day yesterday on Tuesday as we record this podcast on Wednesday afternoon. John Robinson and Mike Vrabel are going to Talk to the media vultures at 4 p.m., so we're about two hours out from that. But the news, uh, JB, is that Des Fitzpatrick, the fourth-round pick, is cut. He's back on the practice squad. But, I mean, where do you place the blame? That's, a, that's, a, that's a, you know, I think both sides are, are, are culpable in this because you look at what the Titans did moving up in the fourth round to get this guy really thinking that this he had an opportunity to at least be a developmental player and then, you know, he didn't perform well in training camp. He had some had some practices where he's putting the ball on the ground, did make a couple plays in the preseason game. So, you know, I think the cut was made with the anticipation that he didn't put enough on tape to warrant another team picking him up off waivers. So now you have him in, still in the fold on the practice squad. You can work to develop him. And, look, I think he has some ability. Obviously, the Titans do too. Otherwise, they wouldn't have drafted him. So um, does he help you this year? Probably not. But – you know, it looks like he's going to be a developmental player. And listen, John Robinson talks about it all the time. You know, I need my wide receivers to get open and catch the ball. And he was doing about half of that. And and so, you know, we are where we are. But uh, I'm actually glad that he's still in the mix. He's still in the fold. But it uh, looks like it's, it's he's going to be one of those developmental guys that we're going to have to, you know, look at down the road. So am I being too harsh, Teresa, if I'm just like, well, if you're done with him now and he couldn't make the top seven wide receivers, then why not just be done with him? Like, I, 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 you know, being being understanding that not every situation is created equal and that he's still a, a young man who's trying to kind of figure his way out through the NFL. I get all that. But like they can't afford dead weight right now, even if it is just on the practice squad. They can afford dead weight right now. They've got a 16 man practice squad. So I'll just say this. Not everybody develops or makes that step immediately and we saw him make catches you know there was about a seven day period where he was looking like the guy that they drafted uh i'm just gonna say this you know you darn millennials you just want to move on cut the dead weight move on <laughs> and you know tell him t I'm just saying, sometimes a guy just needs a little bit of time to, to come through. Look at Marcus Johnson, a guy who, you know, I think he's on this roster at the moment. Uh, there's been so many moves. And, and, and by the way, the Titans just announced that uh, they've waived Matt Barkley, claimed Corey Levin. So that, that backup quarterback job remains Logan Woodside. So, you know, sometimes a guy just needs a little bit of time to develop. You know, this, this, I know that we have to immediately give grades and, and decide and say something's a bust, something's great. And we saw a couple of catches to show us why they took him in the fourth round, why they traded up for him. But sometimes, you know, young kids, you know, think back to your younger days, Buck, a couple days ago, for me, a little longer. We've all made mistakes. And, you know, we're lucky that somebody gave us an extra chance to show that, you know, we weren't going to make the same mistake twice. So uh, I do think that him not catching that touchdown the other night in the end zone was a big, big reason why they made this move. But, uh, you know, you bring him back to the practice squad because there's talent there. There is a reason that they traded up for him. And, you know, guess what? It's a 17-game season this year. You might actually need him before this year's over. 
You're not allowed to make this about me. You're just not allowed to make this about me, Teresa. I included me as well. I've made mistakes. Lord, there's a time I thought, you know, they're not going to let me continue this job and I'll be back at my first paper way back in the day and not allowed to do sports. It's just been a longer time for me, though. Well, just to add to that, I mean, given the Isaiah Wilson fiasco last year, let's face it, you know, teams have reputations, you know, teams have, uh, you know, listen, the, 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 the franchise took a hit last year with the Isaiah Wilson uh, fiasco. For them to move up to take this guy and then to just let him go, it would be a bad look in my opinion for the organization. So as T said, you bring him back, you put him on the practice squad, who knows, you may need him down the road in a 17-game season. And like I said, you can you can work to develop this guy. Now, if we're sitting here next year and this guy still hasn't gotten it, then then you cut ties. But this year, you give him a pass. I and I and I'm respectful of that, right? But like when the when the when Rob Moore, who's about as level-headed an individual as any of us have encountered, says that this young man needs a bit more of a sense of urgency, that that sticks out to me in a way sure. that, you know, in the same way that Mike Vrabel saying Two words, Ben Arthur, just two words, not displeased, but just two words, uh, and lot, talking about what Des Fitzpatrick <laughs> needs to show them to get more reps, and this was early on in the preseason, and since then he, he has, has decidedly taken strides. Um, I just, I, I'm okay with the draft evaluation process being flawed because of what they did to make up with it. What I, what I think puts this even in a more, what puts a bigger spotlight on this more than anything is that prior to Julio Jones, and maybe you can't do the analysis without factoring in Julio Jones, but prior to Julio Jones, the solution at wide receiver was a broken Josh Reynolds, who's dealing with Achilles issues and coming off a of shoulder surgery, and Des Fitzpatrick and, and Racy McMath for, for lack of a better option. So I just, I, I'm looking at that, and I'm not making it as much about Des as I am about the guy that drafted him, because I think that really needs to be focused on here. Point out the guy who drafted him, and yes, Isaiah Wilson last year also brought in Tier Tart, who is going to be a starter in his second year after being an undrafted. So he's had some of those hits as well. Derek Roberson has a roster spot, and he's another undrafted. So you know, it's not just drafting; it's also bringing in these guys to help fill in on the roster. And again, I mean, I've been around here, I've covered every season for this franchise. I remember years when they wouldn't admit their mistakes and they'd keep a draft pick on the roster because they drafted him. And by God, we're going to make him work. So the fact that they did, you know, to me, they cut him. So Des Fitzpatrick, that sense of urgency that Rob Moore talked about, it should be a blinking light now that he was cut and nobody in the NFL waived him. So, yes, he's got a second chance on a practice squad. He has to take it now. Yeah, there's no question about it. He, uh, you know, he's been given another lease on life uh, in the NFL, and I think there is a lot to that. You know, hey, we did draft the guy. We got to at least let him develop. And I think to your to to what you're saying, Buck, you know, thank goodness J-Rob got the Julio deal done. I think that affords him time to keep this guy in the system, if you will, as we like to say in hockey. Uh, and like I said, work on him, develop him, see if he can build that sense of urgency because, you know, that Julio trade puts you pretty much set at wide receiver if everybody stays healthy. So why not bring this guy back and, and try to help him along? Because obviously, as Teresa said, they see something in him. So seven, the numbers that kind of stand out from this 53, and we know that there's nine players on the COVID list. One would assume that Ryan Tannehill is about to make a return based on the fact that they've just waived 
Matt Barkley. So we'll count him for the time being until such time as they announce he comes off of the COVID list. But this is good. This roster is going to look markedly different in 11 days as we tape this podcast between now and kickoff, basically, because of those nine individuals who are on the COVID list. I guess where where are you guys looking at this roster right now as presently constructed, Teresa, and saying, okay, this is where they'll probably pull from once the numbers start to even back out, once you start to get a Nate Davis, a Ben Jones, a Harold Landry, a Jeremy McNichols. Where, where are they taking from to bring these guys back? Partly the secondary. And right now I think we're still at seven wide receivers. I, I just don't see them keeping seven. Uh, is probably going to be six. So those are the two spots that are, you know, kind of the heaviest to me. I mean, let's face it, uh, eight offensive linemen, they're going to have to add somebody back, I think, there. I mean, obviously, Ben Jones. So I just don't – and now they're, they've claimed Corey Levin. So I think they're going to get closer to nine, ten there just because, well, we've seen the injuries they've fought through already this this preseason in training camp, I think they – and last year as well. So I think that they're going to probably be closer to ten there. DBs, man. I, I'm sorry. There's a couple there that I can easily see going quickly. Yeah, this this 53 is the 53 for now, right? With with all the guys they have on IR and and what is Brian Hill's situation? Is he short term IR or is he done for the year? He's on IR, and since he was put on IR before the 53 man roster, he can't come back. Right. Uh, he's not eligible yeah. to return. Okay, so he's done. All right. So and Buffalo yeah, I just, have to ask about him. <laughs> Yeah, well, I agree. They're, they're not going to they're not going to have seven wide receivers opening day. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a matter of seeing who comes off that COVID list. There's going to be a ton of moves made, like you said, Buck, between now and when we kick it off against the Cardinals. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys were, were told, hey, rent, don't buy, uh, <laughs> you know, stay in a hotel. Yeah, stay in a hotel, travel light. You know, we'll you know, we may be calling you at some point. And we may be asking you to come in and bring your playbook. So outside of Des, like, is there anything, JB, that surprises you about what they did here? Understanding, you know, all the all the qualifiers that we've put on this particular group of players and how it will look markedly different, probably not in the not too, uh, not too soon or not too far future. You know what? The one thing that stands out maybe a little bit, I really thought up until Saturday night, I really thought Matt Barkley was gaining on Logan Woodside to be the number two QB. I, I did. I, I Maybe I drank the Kool-Aid or I went down the rabbit hole or use any analogy you wanted. Um, I really had kind of convinced myself that Barkley had a shot to really be the number two QB based on his experience. I'll just tell you what I feel, you know, and it's nothing against Logan Woodside. He's a, he's a fine young man, and I know the Titans like him, but I would feel better given Matt Barkley's experience you know, I would feel better if Tannehill had to miss a few games and Barkley came in and started for one or two games or three games than I would for Logan Woodside, just based on the fact that, you know, Logan Woodside really hasn't thrown a meaningful pass in an NFL football game. He's obviously played a little bit in mop-up duty. But so I thought, you know, given what Barkley had done up until Saturday night, I felt like there was a pretty decent shot, at least in my mind, that Barkley could win that two job. Teresa, I'm, I, I disagree, JB. I, I, and now I'll say this. A lot I, of was, do. I was with you on Matt Barkley making it a competition and then Saturday night happened. Yeah. The pass to Danny Trevathan. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was just so oh. bad that it, it kind of erased, you know, just like the uh, Des Fitzpatrick drop in the end zone, that interception kind of erased all the good that he had done. Yeah, you're probably right. 
Well, You're probably because, right. I, I thought the same thing when I saw that play. I was like, eh, that's not good for him. And listen, Logan Woodside threw a pick six too. So like, it's not, it's not like this was the perfect. But situation. his arm was hit, whereas Barkley threw that right to the guy. Completely yeah. understood, which is why, JB, when you bring up NFL experience, I'm looking at Matt Barkley and saying, no, that's eight years of bad NFL experience. Like that's, that <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. Matt Barkley has a consistent track record of being, of having bad experiences when he plays the quarterback position. So the experience that I'm seeking is not the Matt Barkley experience. I've seen yeah. eight years of him, him being cheeks. No, I understand that. And and listen, I, I just felt like the way he came in about halfway through training camp and seemingly picked up the offense pretty well. I thought he had a shot, but that, you're right. Saturday night kind of erased that for me. So other than that, no real surprises really stood out. Um, it went, I mean, you know, what do I know? But it went about the way I thought it would go. So, um, you know, and, and and you look at a guy like Kinsey, you know, the Titans have to know that he's, you know, he's, if you, if you, if you say goodbye to this guy, you're saying goodbye to him because he put enough stuff on tape that another team would, would, would grab him. So, um, not so much surprising, but just guys that you really were rooting for during preseason in camp, hoping that they would have a shot. And then obviously the numbers game caught up to them. So, you know, but uh, it was just, I thought Kinsey had a great summer and obviously uh, uh, the running back whose name escapes me. Um, Makai Sergeant, Sergeant. Sergeant. They were fun to watch. You know, we all have these training camp darlings, right? We always have these guys that we fall in love with in camp, especially fans do. And, you, you find yourself rooting for them, right? And when they let go, you're like, oh. I mean, I remember when I when I covered the Bills in the late 90s, there was a giant fullback out of Florida State named Clarence Pooh Bear Williams. Remember Pooh Bear T out of Florida State? Yes. He, yes. He, you know, he had been out of football because he was so big. This guy was huge, Buck. He ate himself out of the league. <laughs> He's pretty good. Yeah. And then he, he got in shape. He got in shape, came back. Tried out for the Bills. I think it was 1998. Actually had made the final roster, and I was rooting for this guy all summer. And then it was one of those deals where, you know, when other moves were made, the Bills brought in other players, and so he ended up having to go. But uh, so he was like my all-time camp guy, Clarence Pooh Bear Williams of the Buffalo Bills back in 98. What an exceptional little, little, nickname. little story for you there. No, it's it's good context because you're right. There's, there's one of these – Every year, and obviously without a without a preseason last year, fans could not attach themselves to a Mason Kinsey or a Makai Sargent the way that they did. I just, the obsession with Mason Kinsey, and you're right, he did really well during the preseason, and he was consistent. He got open, he caught the ball. That's what they asked them to do, right? You just outlined John Robinson's uh, thesis statement on the <laughs> wide receiver position, which one would think is very plain and simple, but, you know, it turns out some guys can't do that. So with but with Mason Kinsey, like I just I don't necessarily I mean, because he's the player that's out there and he's the player catching the ball and he's doing good things and the Titans looked good while he was on the field. Like, I guess I understand it. I just don't give preseason that kind of credence when I'm looking yeah. at it. I'm like, there's just no way that this dude makes the team because yeah. he's not there's nothing special about him. And, right. and I mean, and I don't mean that as an attack. Like, I just there's just nothing special about him. No, at the end of the day, you're, you're right. Given the receivers that they already have in the room. You know, it was going to be hard for him to find a place, but uh, well, think nicely, least- guys. He's on the he's on the practice squad, so they just signed him this afternoon. So he's back in the system, and nobody claimed him. So as good as he looked this preseason, nobody else claimed him. That's a great point. It's a great point. Oh, he put some he- pretty good stuff on tape, I thought. 
he would go to New England and he's already been cut, cut twice there. So they can't have any more tiny slot, uh, tiny white slot receivers <laughs> on the New England Patriots since they've already brought back a, you know, a frumpy looking quarterback and it's all, you know, it's the next 20 years of dominance in the NFL. Of course it is. Uh, from that standpoint, we saw Cam Newton get cut. That is a conversation that I want nothing to do with. Uh, but that was brought to the table, certainly on my radio show, JB. I'm sure you got some calls about that as well. Uh, I think that more than anything, though, with what's out there, I don't that we saw them pick up Michael Pruitt, right? And Corey Levin is somebody who's familiar with this team, and they've brought him back clearly to bolster that kind of depth. Outside of that, though, I really think that they're largely set at these positions. Not that they won't continue to churn bottom of the roster and you won't see a million more Mackay Sargents or Mason Kinsey's come in and out over the course of the next 17, 18 weeks. Um, but I think for the most part, this is a roster that's basically, it has it has the pieces in place to move forward. Now it's just about how they prepare themselves for an opponent that's going to look a lot different than I think we anticipated. What did you guys make of the Malcolm Butler retirement? Smart decision by the Titans to uh, release him for cap space when they did. I'm not, it's apparently for a personal issue and I, I hope that it's nothing too serious. Uh, because I, I thought that he probably had another so left in the NFL. Yeah, I thought it was a, a good signing time by the, by, by the Cardinals. And uh, I, I agree with Teresa. I really thought he had a couple of decent years left. And he'd be a nice veteran presence along with guys like J.J. Watt in that, uh, in that Arizona locker room. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know the details of what, uh, of what uh, led to his decision to retire or at least, you know, step away from the game for the time being. But, uh, you know, you're right. Good on the Titans for realizing, you know, it's kind of like that New England way. Better to get rid of this guy one or two, two years too early as opposed to one or two years too late. And so, you know, I always liked Malcolm when he was here. I wish him the best and hopefully whatever situation he's going through, uh, he can get through. And I think he had a pretty nice career. And listen, this guy will, you know, he'll never have to buy a dinner in Boston <laughs> for the rest of his life for winning right. that Super Bowl at the goal line there against the Seahawks. Well, and just because he's on the reserve retired list this year doesn't mean that he's done in the NFL, but I do think it's more likely than not that once you decide that you're you, this this year isn't it for you, that that thing kind of starts to slowly erode. So now, now with all of this stuff in place and we understand, you know, how things are going to change over the course of the next couple of weeks, whether we know the exact personnel changes that they're going to make, or not, how much better, guys, is this roster than the one that we saw a year ago? I think it's better. I mean, the fact that, I mean, think about it. The people we've been quibbling about and getting excited about, it's like, ooh, he might. No, it's because the roster has, the quality of this roster has raised. You know, there were no real position battles. I mean, the fact that right tackle is still to be decided is more an issue of the fact, I think, that Dylan Radins played one game last year, and they've been trying to force feed him as many snaps as possible this preseason. And, you're, you know, they're going to let one of the veterans have the job to, you know, to, to go early, and we'll see if Radins can get up to speed. But, you know, that's more the fact that a pandemic issue. And other than that, that's that's kind of it. We know who's starting. You know, we have questions in the secondary about exactly where these young kids are going to slot. But 
you know, other than that, you know, the big positions are all decided and they've shored up the areas that were questions coming into the offseason. You know, pass rush, we think. Uh, secondary, uh, we know the names now and Lord knows they can't be any worse than last year. And again, we saw in the preseason signs that they've gotten better. So I, I do think this is a team that, you know, the Julio Jones trade made it very clear. And, and count me among those who thought it was always going to happen. I mean, the instant we heard that uh, there was rumbles out of Atlanta, I thought this was the perfect and, and, and eventual landing space. So this is a team that is targeting a Super Bowl. And this is what the roster should be at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to reserve total judgment until I see the defense. I got to see them perform because, as you guys know, I was very hard on the defense last year. And for good reason, they were historically bad. But you look at what the organization has done to really, really plug in some holes um, on that defense. And you look at the roster as a whole, I think, you know, they have no worse than the second or third best roster in the AFC. I think the Browns have the best one. And, I mean, you have to put Kansas City up there, given the fact that they have, you know, the best player is voted on by his peers in the NFL. You know, the Bills have a good, really good roster. But when you look at all the key areas, right, quarterback, check, you know, skill position, check, pass rush, we think, like Teresa said, check. I mean, this is a solid team from top to bottom. They've got a good mixture of veterans and younger guys. I mean, you look at a guy like Elijah Molden, what he's been able to do this summer. And, the, and I think this guy's going to have a tremendous impact on that secondary, kind of like what Teresa was speaking about. So I would rank this. I think this roster, at least on paper, as we sit here right now, 11 days until the opening day, is about as good as any you'll find in the AFC and, dare I say, the NFL. It's a it's a solid roster. I agree with Teresa. This is a roster, you know, this is a team that's built to make a serious run at the Super Bowl. Whether it happens, we're about to find out. But, you know, they've got all the pieces in place. Speaking as a Giants fan who, you know, has seen his team not be able to build a, even a decent offensive line in a decade, and I look at this this Titans team and how they're built, they're ready to rock and roll. JB, they look bad again on the offensive line. Again. Bad. It's it's so frustrating. I know, I know we're talking Titans here, but 10 years, Buck and Teresa, 10 years they have not been able to build a representative offensive line. It is unacceptable. Listen, I'm not a GM. I don't scout. I don't, you know, break down film. I watch highlights. I don't, I don't break down film. Guys, it can't be that hard to build a decent offensive line. It just can't. And between Jerry Reese and Dave Gettleman, for the last 10 years, they haven't been able to do it. It's a disgrace. Dave Football Gettleman. Hey, we, we look at, you know, hey, John Robinson last year took Isaiah Wilson. And when you – a perfect example of when you reach for a lineman, sometimes just play the ball that's there. Don't overthink it. You can get yourself into trouble, and that's what the Jets, Giants keep doing. So and let's not forget about <laughs> – real quick, Buck. Let's not forget about what we said about, you know – reputations right saving face listen egos we all got them Jay rob is a great guy but he's got an ego he a lot he had a lot of egg on his face last year number one because of how bad the defense played and number two the isaiah wilson disaster he is bound and determined to build a roster that could represent the afc in the super bowl and i think he's done a pretty nice job of doing that we got to see how it plays out on the field they got to stay healthy you know, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. We know that, all those cliches. But, you know, when you just take a look at it, you you look at that, that depth chart and you read up and down the names on, on you know, at the skill at the at the key positions, 
you know, it's about as good as any roster you'll find in the AFC. No, and I, I certainly, I, I feel similarly to the two of you. And of course, you know, I want to see about a month of what they look like on the field before we actually understand what this football team is going to be in, in comparison to last year's team. And I understand that you fair, at least they will not do that compare to last year's team, but this is something that's going to continue to be a part of the conversation because that's the, that's the precedent. That's what we have to work off of. Uh, JB, one word to describe the emotions of Titans fans when they found out Jerome Boger was going to be officiating their first game. <laughs> Trepidation. Trepidation. Teresa. No. <laughs> good old gonna, Jerome I'm just we have say, the same initials so I try to have his back but oh Jerome yeah except Jerome. when except when RJB pops on the screen Titans fans don't all say well shit and that's what my one word is just how how could they possibly end up being this again it is insane to me that this is how who they would draw in game number one i can hear coach dave mcginnis screaming on the radio <laughs> broadcast nobody hates jerome boger more than him he's not a fan it's, it's gonna be interesting in fact i thought he had retired and my husband heard a preseason game he was working and said that's jerome boger he he heard the voice and he's like oh god that's jerome boger so, yeah, Titans fans. The familiar, uh, confused, well. kind of scared voice of Jerome Boger making a call. Yep. Yes. Unbelievable. Teresa Walker of the Associated Press. Of course, you can follow her uh, and make sure that you're reading all of the great news that she's producing on a regular basis across the state of Tennessee, not just, of course, the Tennessee Titans. And for all local sports coverage, News Channel 5 with our buddy John Burton and Steve Lehman. They do a fantastic job over there. And of course, you can hear JB's radio show on WNSR when you're not listening to my radio show. Thanks, Alex. Buck, I, Buck, I bust on you all the time, but seriously, I do respect how hard you grind and, and, and I respect the hard work you do. You do a fine job. It's I'm six years into this job, Teresa. Now's the first time that you've said something about <laughs> respect. Fun pod today before we Wrap up a quick reminder about DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. With the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. And all customers can participate in DraftKings Week 1 no-brainer. For opening night, all customers can double their money as long as Tampa Bay doesn't lose by 74 points. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code A2ZSports to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's code A2ZSports for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older and in Tennessee to bet. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. That's going to do it for us today. When we return with you, we will be talking about a legitimate football game between Tennessee and Bowling Green. We'll recap what happened basically off tonight's result as you're hearing this podcast for the Vols. And then we'll go full face forward into football season for both of these teams between the University of Tennessee and the Tennessee Titans because it'll be opening week 
for the Titans as well. And we're looking forward to having those conversations with you. In the meantime, stay safe, stay clean, and as always, stay hot. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios, powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. Dot com.